Okay, I was on a flight last Monday. Daniel and I drove to Chicago on Monday. He went to India, and I went to Anaheim for the week. He gets back tomorrow night. I got back last night at 1. So God is doing something. I went in for training, for some lead team meetings and some training. And how many of you know we need training in our life? Anybody? What The work we're doing is too important to think we can do it on our own. It's true. I mean, how, in what job do you not need training? So how much more the gospel and the things of God? Okay, I'm getting here. Here we are. Okay. So I'm on the plane, and uh, this was last Monday. I'm sitting down, and this girl comes to sit next to me. She, I'm on the window seat because that's all. I like the window seat. So she comes and sits next to me, and she is mad. She's mad. She's like, oh, I was supposed to be. And they, uh, I don't know what they call it, the class. It's a different class. So you can sit up closer. It's not first class, but it's the middle. Anyways, we're in economy class. That's where I'm sitting. And she gets in the plane, and she paid extra to be up there, and she's upset, and she's just talking a million miles a minute, and the Holy Spirit. Anybody have that happen? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I'm like, all right, Jesus, what is this? Now, I, I do fly a little bit, so this doesn't always happen. So I just begin to pray. Say, Lord, what do you want to do? And uh, she settled into her seat. It was a booked flight. She couldn't move. It was great. Appointed by Jesus. She begins to talk to me for four hours, her whole life story. Come to find out she is a chef uh, by trade, and she oversaw with her partner um, some of the Ritz-Carlton's there in California, their restaurants. So she is very passionate about food. I was like, oh, my sister, this is awesome. So we talked about food, no joke, for like four hours. And then we get into the places of our life and our heart, and the Lord just begins to speak, you know, begins to move. And, you know, here, here's something that as, as Christians who've been Christians for a long time, we have to recognize people will encounter love himself on the inside of you, but won't know how to articulate what they just encountered. They may not know how to say it to you. So she said, you just have, you just have a role, an oh aura about you. I'm like, it's not an aura. But she said, you have an aura about you and you're, you're just so, such a kind soul. That was another one. It was like an angel sat down. I thought, oh, she's God. I'm not agreeing with that. (laughs) You know, I'm not an angel. And so she, she just, the words that she was using were very precious and you could tell her heart was moved. And so she owns a restaurant in Irvine, a little, um, it's called Witch Bistro Sandwiches. And uh, she, I was going down to visit Abigail on Friday, and Irvine's not too far from there. So I said, hey, we'll come by, and we'll have lunch at your place. She was so excited. So this is Monday, and of course, I have my meetings all day, and then I see Abigail on Friday. And so we go over on Friday to her place, and she's ecstatic to have us there. So excited. We talk about food. She she uh, shows us, and we ordered this Korean beef barbecue that was out of this world. Okay, she wasn't lying. Her food is really good. So we, we had a good time. And then at the end, I felt like from the Holy Spirit, and this is where we have to be sensitive, right? We just asked to pray for her. And so we stood up, and we're getting ready to go. I said, hey, Rumi, would it be okay if we prayed for you in your business? She looked at me with tears in her eyes. Harvest is ready. 
the harvest is ready. Don't you dare be intimidated. The harvest is ready. She looks at us, me and Abigail, with tears in her eyes, and she said, you would like to pray for us? I said, yes, we, we would love to pray for you. And she yells at her business partner across the dining room. She says, I think it's Brian. I think I'm wrong. But Brian, they want to pray for us. Come over here. And he comes running across the dining room of their restaurant. And he kneels on the ground. Lifts both of his hands and pray for us. He's weeping. So Abigail and I pray. It's something we do all the time as Christians. We forget what we hold. We hold the gospel of Jesus in us. We hold the power of God on the inside of us. We forget and so we laid our hands on them. We prayed for their business. We prayed for their family. And they're weeping. And they're, they just almost don't want to let us go. And I think, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing as the body of Christ? Now listen, my number one grace is activation. So if you want to stay stuck, you may want to stay a little bit further away from me. <sighs> That's real. Some people get irritated with me. I love them anyways, but gosh darn it, I'm not going to stand by while the body of Christ is stuck in their stuff, and we don't realize what is in us. May we be people of the gospel. May we be people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just get stuck. Can you go to James chapter 1 with me? Can I talk to you? like a mama for a minute. I know I'm not old enough to be most of your moms, and that's okay. Don't worry. We're good. But in the spirit, can we just go with that for a second? Because I'll tell you what, God has assigned us to this congregation in this place, and if you're here, we take our assignment seriously. I want to take you to James chapter 3 um, and Matthew 6. So if you want to turn there ahead of time, you can Okay, verse 21, chapter 1. And we're going to go through. <laughs> Boy, I won't just read the whole book. But we're going to go through verse 26. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness, verse 21, James chapter 1. And overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness. Say, receive with meekness. The implant. I like her girls say that. And I know there's guys in here. So let's try that again. Receive with meekness. Yeah, it's a better little bit right there, huh? Okay. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word. Oh, have we heard that before? Come here, do. Doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. Do you know that when you hear the word of God and you do nothing with it, you are open to deception? Get out of the little sword. It's okay. I won't look. <laughs> For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, 
but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Okay, there's a lot in that in there. If anyone is, for he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he is. You know, we say, have this saying. We read our Bibles. Okay, we don't read our Bibles every day to check a box. Do you know why we read our Bibles every day? Because we put our face in a mirror. And it's not so that we know God better. It's so that we introduce ourselves to ourselves, Right? The word of God comes in and introduces me to me. And I look at it and go, oh. Oh. My tongue, my words were not kind today. Ooh. I have unforgiveness in there. Mm, I was harsh. Lord, you said the law of kindness should be on my lips. Oh, my tongue, God. I'm sorry. That's what, that's why we read our Bibles every day. It's not to get to know God better. It's to get, and, and that is true. There is a portion of that. But in all reality, it's the mirror that reflects back to our heart and our life and helps us to grow up, right? We can't be children. We've got a harvest to reap. We got to grow up. And how do we do that? We look in the mirror and we stay in the mirror and we let the word of God do the work it's supposed to do in us. Right? So today, we are going to, I know we had a big announcement and I know that's a lot for many of you to process. And so uh, we're going to give you a little more <laughs> to, to I, I'm going to rip the sheets off of something for a minute. You know, I had a friend who was diagnosed with something uh, the last couple of weeks. And the thing uh, he said was this, they would never had known it was there except for by the Lord. And had they not known it was there, it could have kept going and going and destroyed my life, my physical life. So the Lord highlighted it to the doctors. There is something in our culture that if we don't address as a church, it will stay underneath. It'll stay right underneath there, and it will destroy us. When we moved to Michigan, I was raised in Northern California. California is very different than Michigan. And uh, in culture, not just in, like, landscape, but in culture. Our culture is different. And that's uh, something that was very apparent to me when we moved into Battle Creek. Now, Battle Creek is very uh, segregated, and that's the realness of it. It's very segregated. They have four school districts in one city. Four school districts in a city. Come on, somebody. Something's wrong with that, right? So now I'm doing my research. I'm like, what the heck is happening? And I'm doing my research, and my eyes begin to get open to this whole thing where we're showing... um, We're treating people not according to the way God sees people, right? We've agreed with it if we don't say anything. So my heart has been wrestling. Does your heart ever wrestle over something? Ever have something that your heart's just wrestling over? Like, Lord, why is that? Why is that? Why do we have all white kids at this school, right? And all diverse kids at this school. Why is that? 
Can I tell you, church, we need to ask why. We cannot stand by and not ask why and just turn a blind eye to it and just think that, well, it's just the way it is. Mm. We're going to look in the mirror, right? Look at chapter 2. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, listen, with partiality. They dealt with this stuff, too, in the New Testament. On the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings. Now, he's talking about a certain uh, prejudice here, right? Rich and poor. In fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. You have, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? You have dishonored the poor man. Listen to James. Dude, he's coming right at him, isn't he? He's not, he's not pulling no punches. You have dishonored the poor man, he says. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? And he keeps going. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as your, come on. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. There was a, I have never been judged on my skin color alone, except for one time. Can I get down here a little bit? I can't if I don't fall. I've, I never grew up being judged on the color of my skin. Not once. Never felt it. Never experienced it. Uh, no one ever said anything or marginalized me or categorized me because of it. Not one time. Uh, we entered a new world when we came here. We're in the Midwest. Midwest has a different history than what I grew up with. So um, I had one dear person show me how ignorant I was. And I'm thankful. Thankful. And like James, right, he confronted him. He said, hey, you're not seeing something here. You need to pay attention. This dear woman confronted me on it. And Though my, I, I believe my, my heart was misunderstood to some degree, here's what I know. I walked in ignorance, and I was insensitive, and I wasn't aware, and that broke my heart. Here I am, a pastor, someone who's supposed to love people deeply like Jesus loved them, and I'm being confronted now, you have two choices when you're confronted with your ignorance. You have two choices. You can defend yourself. You can get angry because it hurts, right? Hurts a little bit. Hurts your pride more than anything. Let's be real. It hurts a little bit. You can, you can do all that. You can justify yourself. Or you can walk across the room and say, okay, I don't know what just happened, but I need to hear more. 
I need to hear more because I'm obviously not hearing something. So would you tell me your story? Would you have coffee with me? And tell me your experience. So I walked across the room, but not before. It, uh, it took me about seven days, eight, seven to eight days. Every day I woke up with such heaviness. I have never been that heavy in all my life. I thought, God, I can't explain to somebody who I am because all they see is the color of my skin. And it felt horrible. And about the fourth day, I would wake up in the morning and that heaviness was there and I'd just lay on the couch and I'd cry. I said, God, I don't know what this is. He said, this is your brothers and sisters. This is how they feel. And not just for seven days. Sometimes it's a lifetime. And I wept and I said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm not eloquent like everybody else. You know, I just am not. So I, I began to pray. This was, it's been about a year and a half probably. I just began to pray and say, God, what do I do? I know you know me, but in this particular situation, they see me as a white woman, like, and they can't get past it. I don't know what to do with that. Like, I was stuck, and the Lord showed me, yeah, a lot of people are stuck right there, because the church hasn't got past it in some regard. Okay, so here's my heart for us at the Rock Kalamazoo, right? We're family. We're family here. I'm going to say it again. We're family. We're family. And this stuff stops at our door, not our church door, our house doors. Okay? Our church door, we can all pretend. How are you doing? Doing fine. How was your week? It was awesome. Right? What's your name? Oh, my name. We, we, we do that all day long. But where it, where it really starts is in our house. You have an actual house, but you know what other kind of house you have? Here. This is your first house. And I, I'm going to say it like James and Peter said it. You know, Peter also confronted the church. He conf- what did he say? No, Paul confronted Peter. He said, I confronted him to his face. <laughs> do you ever read that? In Acts, when he said that, he said, I confronted him to his face because he was wrong. And he was showing partiality, and it was a racial issue, if you read it, actually. He confronted him to his face. We have the stewardship of our own heart, our physical house, and our church house, and our community. It is real. So how am I stewarding it? I'm going to say something. We have something called white ignorance. And I, you would have told me that a year ago, and I would have thought, you're nuts. <laughs> you know, like, come on. You know, I, I may not have seen it like I do today. Let me just put it that way. I, I don't know if I would have seen it like I do today until I stepped into it and went, oh, shoot. You ever have some toilet paper, like, hanging in the back? And you, like, walk out, and there it is. And nobody tells you it's there. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. So 
when you get embarrassed, you have a choice, right? Because shame can come in immediately. And say, man, oh, what an idiot. That was dumb. Right? That Anybody have something happen to you like that? You know. Then the enemy comes in to beat you up. That's not what this is. We're people of God. <laughs> and we don't just have our own div- own mind to figure these things out. We have the power and the presence and the spirit of God who will help us in the time of need. So as a church, we have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, come on in and change whatever is in our heart. Change it. Change it, God. I'm going to look into the mirror until it's changed. pausing because I don't want to say things the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to say. When we look into the mirror, we ask for change. You know, when you came to Jesus, the first time you came to Jesus, what were you saying? I can't do this on my own, right? That's what you're saying. I can't do this on my own. So I'm going to step in here, Lord, and I'm going to make you Lord of my life. Some of us are so adverse to change. God can't do anything in you. Because you're so adverse to change and you're afraid of it. You got to face that baby inside you. You got to face it and say, nope, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of change. I'm not afraid of being humble. I'm not afraid of hearing somebody else's story and experience and saying, God, help me to link arms so that we become the church. Right? That's what the the church Heaven isn't white. Right? Come on. Heaven isn't white. Right? Heaven's not white. We've got to get over ourselves, and we've got to see like Jesus sees. Amen? We've got to have Jesus' eyes. We've got to love every nation, every color. And we got to break those walls down so far that we say, like God said to Samuel, hey, Samuel, don't look at the outward appearance. Man sees that stuff. But God looks at the heart. So when will we look like God looks? He doesn't look at the outside. He never sees the outside. He sees your heart. May we be people of the heart. May we be people of the heart of God. Would you just, let's do that. Would you take a minute just before Jesus, you and Jesus alone, and the 50 other people that are in the room, but just close your eyes for a minute. Jesus, Lord of the church, help us to be a place where you get to do what you want to do. Help us to be a place that says, I don't care what it costs me. I will see like God sees. Lord, humble us where we've walked in pride. Lord, help us to humble ourselves when we're confronted. 
Help us to be agents of change. Not just change like the world sees it, but change like you see it. May we have eyes to what that looks like. Would you open our hearts towards one another? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Move on our hearts. Amen. Can I just say this on behalf of this color? <laughs> I'm sorry for being ignorant. I'm sorry for not understanding and being aware. And man, if you see anything in me, you come up. I, I don't care. You, you, come, you, you say it to me. Bring it to me. And if anything in our church happens and somebody says something to you that is not okay, you come tell me. You think I'm playing. I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not playing because this is a demonic spirit. This is a demonic thing that cannot enter the church, and it will limit us from the harvest we're supposed to reach. So unless we address this, we'll never do what God's called us to do. So this is not just about feelings, right? You see it, you come see me. See it, and you, it, it's true. And if I have a conversation with you, can I just say this? I've been dumb too, so I get dumb. And some, some of us need to give margin for each other for dumb. That's true. Come on. And if I've been dumb, somebody tell me I was dumb. Right? Don't let me walk around with toilet paper on my... Come on. Be my friend. Be a sister in the Lord. Say, hey, sister, when you said that, this is the way it could make some people feel. Oh, I'm sorry. How many of you would agree? You would want somebody to tell you, right? It takes great vulnerability for somebody to tell you, by the way. So consider yourself blessed that they would even say anything. Because there's been times when they try and say something and it's not pretty. So if, you, if someone tries to say it to you, consider it an opportunity. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, right? Pastor Jerry spoke on that. Did anybody hear that message? Oh, man. Baby, you need to re, re-listen to that. It says, now, when, we, when he washed the disciples' feet, he said to Peter, Peter said, oh, no, you can't wash my feet. He says, if I don't do this, you have what? No part with me. And then he said, if you don't, he said, now do this for one another, right? Let me show you something. If we don't allow each other to wash each other's feet in regards to this, we have no part with one another. That means we'll be a fragmented body, we may sit in the same chairs every Sunday, but what we post on Facebook, come on. You know it's real. You know I'm talking to you. You've seen it. Some of you, too much. So when I'm bringing this message today, I'm telling you, I had to ask the Lord, Lord, do I bring it on the like, announcement Sunday? And he said, yeah. Because we're not going to be able to move from here until we take care of what's on our feet. Right? 
we're not going to be able to move from here until we take care of what's on our feet. And some of this stuff, it's not intentional. You know where that feet dirt comes from? It comes from being out in the world. From all their narrative, from all their junk, from all their division, from all their perspectives, from all their pain, from all their hurt, from all the times they've been marginalized. All of that comes in the door, and we have to be ones that say, hey, let me wash your feet, sister. Let me wash your feet. Right? And when we do that, we have part with one another, and we become the body of Christ where the presence of God is. And a community that encounters love and says, hmm, that church over there has an aura. Right? Because we've taken the time to wash one another's feet. We come in humility. We come in honesty. And we come with a heart that says, no, not on my watch. 